BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast 107. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and start until morning. All right, take your pixie out of your pocket and sprinkle some pixie dust around. It's time to go back to Neverland once again for episode 107. And my goodness, this is a big week for movies. In fact, that's pretty much all we're going to do. We're going to go to the trailer park. And then, of course, this was the weekend we've been waiting for. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, it woke up all over the place. My goodness, $238 million domestically before we even got to Sunday. This is just broken the box office all over the place, which we kind of knew it would. But, of course, I'm not by myself. This this week, we have with us Lost Boy Tricky Rick. Hey, everybody. Now, if you've been visiting NeverlandPodcast.com and you go have been going to the news feed, and I have been posting this up in our Twitter and our Facebook page, and you're all following that, right? He's been writing all kinds of articles each week for the DC TV of all these, these Easter eggs and all the different characters that have been popping up in those series. And so there's a lot you can learn if you're kind of curious about any of these characters of what their comic origins, who created the characters, when they came about. Uh, Rick's been all over this. Plus, I've been reviewing Doctor Who as well. <laughs> of course. And now you get a little bit of a break. <laughs> well, I got one more show Friday. So what's on Friday? The Christmas special. That's this Friday? Oh, it is, because it's on Christmas. Holy cow, yes. <laughs> yes. It's a, oh, my goodness, yes. The Doctor Who Christmas special. The River Song is going to be back. Oh, yeah. God. Spoilers. Yeah. Her favorite one. Which reminds me, I still need to go back and watch the the, uh, the season finale, because I, I remember I dozed off somewhere in the middle. When I came back, I kind of got an idea what was going on, but I kind of forgot it. And I, I forgot. I, I still haven't watched that. I need to go back and watch that. 
before next yep. week. It's, so Especially gosh. before before Friday, yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Wow. But of course, you know, there's going to be some. Well, of course, you're more of a DC guy, but you know, we got some Marvel stuff going to be coming along between. You know, we've got some more. Um, uh, and now my brain just went right out the window with her name. Peggy Carter is coming back. Yeah, we've got Legends of Tomorrow series. Yeah, and DC Legends of Tomorrow is coming in in January. Plus, mm-hmm. something that's not superhero related that's kind of in our wheelhouse, but not Disney directly, but it's on ABC, is Galavant's coming back, too. I don't know if I'm going to watch it this time. <laughs> I really hated the way that ended, and I was like, ah, you know, do I want to sit through it again? It was fun. I'm, yeah, you know, it was. So much, so much stuff that's so plotting and grim and gritty. I want silly. And yeah, and a lot of silly. sitcoms, and a lot of sitcoms, don't really get me get to me and this this felt like um, a musical done by Monty Python (laughs) and it is nice having Alan Menken in there and he's you know hey Disney fans it's an Alan Menken musical so you know it that's kind of what got me pulled into the first one and I did laugh at my wife didn't like it but I laughed I thought it was silly and stuff but the way it ended was so awful I'm thinking well uh, I'm afraid they're I'm gonna watch another series and they're gonna do something at the end and I'm going to end up hating what they did at the end of it. But then again, maybe they'll fix it. But I don't know. I've been really debating <laughs> if I'm going to watch that or not. I'll well, probably I end up watching a, it. I got a feeling this may be the final season. Mm, you know, see. if they don't get the numbers this year, it may not come back for a third. Yeah, we'll see. I really did like the Pirates, though, last year. The Pirates, I think, was probably one of the funniest episodes that were landlocked, you know. <laughs> Well, they even go further because the, they get to start to sing the theme song from last year, and in the in the preview, they get, they create a whole new theme song for season two because the pirates are tired of hearing Gallivant <laughs> singing to the king. So yeah, so it could be good, but uh, we'll see. But you know, we really better get started because we got a lot of stuff to do. And I will give everybody a warning before we do a review of Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I'll give you plenty of time to skip to the end. And just skip the rest of the episode, and we'll see you next week, because I do not want to spoil this for anyone. So if you have not seen the movie, I will give you plenty of warning to end the episode for yourself, and maybe come back later and hear what we had to say after you've seen the film. So, we'll give you plenty of warning, but let's go and get our redneck on and go to the Neverland Trailer Park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. Oh my goodness, I am so behind on trailers. Because <laughs> I was trying to jump up on the Disney ones that there, my goodness, let me get a count here. What do we got, like five, four, yes, five trailers to cover because I have some older ones and there was some new ones that came out this week. I mean, I, boy, I tell you what, I, when I when I thought of this segment for this season, I thought, oh, there'll probably be about one new trailer a week that we could cover, so it'll be, work out fine. But they're coming in by the boatload, and this has pretty much become almost the entire show. But the first one, and this is an older one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows. What's happening out there, Donnie? I don't know. Doesn't look good. Gear up, guys. Whoa! Whoa. 
title. Bogey's on the bus. I think it's very vital. Hit the button. What button? There are a million buttons. Two buttons. All right. That's right. On top. Hit, 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 hit. Here we go. <laughs> Just four brothers who hate bullies and love this city. Whoa, whoa, this never works out well for you. What's your name? Casey Jones. Hey. One question. Are you two guys like a thing? I'm looking for Aaron Moore. But we could work with that. Me too. This is gonna be good! <laughs> Dude, bringing back the mohawk. Good for you. Oh, oh y'all got jokes, huh? All right, now the very first thing that I've got to say, okay, produced by Michael Bay, and I you know I've had had some people say, well, well, he didn't direct it. A producer doesn't have that much say, but looking at the style of because I saw this first one he put out there because I was hopeful, uh, and I really, I the, all right, the first one he did, it, it was fun. I did kind of have some fun with it, but I really overall didn't like it. I but I did have fun. Uh, but you know, seeing another one, you know, he you can see his influence on the crazy slow mo shots. And stuff like that. That it's got Michael Bay's fingerprints all over the thing, even as a producer. And you even noticed that. I, you was you were telling me earlier. Yeah, I did. But people also forget that if you look at some films produced but not directed by Spielberg or Lucas, they feel like a Spielberg or Lucas film. Yeah. Even if they didn't direct them, so producers do actually have their own style. Yeah. So, uh, I, I saw this, this trailer. I haven't seen the first movie. I did see the, the trailer. And problem with Michael Bay trailers is they look wonderful. Doesn't mean the film will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did a good job at least putting the trailer together. Uh, and they do, they do tease a lot of different things. I mean, the, you, you begin with this weird portal in the sky, which I've heard some people speculate maybe Krang is gonna, make an appearance in there, which is kind of exciting in its own way. Uh, provided, well, I, of course, they do it. I would love, either if, either if they pull influence from the 1980s cartoon, which it seems to be where they try to do some of it, but maybe pull a little bit more from the original uh, Eastman and Laird printing from our garage comics, where the Krang, you know, where Krang was this general of his entire race, uh, which I can't remember the name of their race. I bet you remember, though. Nope. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I cannot remember the name of their race. But yeah, I, that's one thing I, you know, I don't like about the Nickelodeon series is they are the Krang. And you have all well, of them and it, they're kind of funny because of like, yes, Krang is, is going here because Krang shall, to, I need to go talk to Krang over there. They are all Krang, you know, which it's, it's amusing, but I'm like, well, that's, I don't know where they got that idea. But, you know, I have enjoyed the Nickelodeon series and it's nice to have the turtles back in some fashion. 
uh, and now Nickelodeon producing these movies. I really, that first one, even from the get-go of the origin, uh, now this, this is where you're going to be glad you didn't see this movie. Their origin, they've changed it around to where they were, they were lab turtles and a lab rat or whatever. And how they learn ninjutsu is from a book they found in the sewer. Okay. They cut Humato Yoshi out of the whole thing. There was no Rokusaki stuff. They almost didn't even have a shredder. It was going to be a white guy there for a while, uh, which they apparently realized everybody was like, what are you doing? And so they, they quickly threw in a shredder and yeah, it was, oh. but the only promise we really have is Rocksteady and Bebop, which you were telling me you weren't even familiar with the characters. So you're just like, you know who they are. <laughs> well, I knew, I know one's a warthog and one's a rhino. I don't know which is which by name, but I, I, I knew who they were because, you know, even though I was in college, I saw, oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a cartoon. I watched a few of it and went, okay. It wasn't what I remembered because <laughs> as I told you off, off the air, I I read some of the stuff, like you said, when they're printing them out of the garage when I was in high school. You know, I, w- I was in high school from 82 to 86, so I was I was in high school during the heyday of their black and white days. Yeah. And I did have something worried me about this is those are grim and gritty, but they're not. And they're adult, but they're adult in violence and tone. They're not adult in in other ways. Yeah. And I was seeing some overtones in in the in the trailer, going, "Well, teenage Ninja Turtles is targeted kids. Why are you having April O'Neil doing this whole?" Tied up, screw girl look thing. No, because it's Megan Fox. That's why. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I gotta say, Rocksteady and Bebop, they maybe they're still working on making them look a little bit more believable, but they looked so cartoony to me. Yeah, Uh, they they did look cartoony, and I'm 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 not also used to the. The, the more humanoid turtles either. That's yeah, that still, still creeps me out. It's like, okay, I, 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 I hate to say it, but I, I miss the, the Henson, the Henson suits. Yeah, I actually do too. And maybe that's because we're, we're older. <laughs> Some kids are going to be like, what? Wow, but those look bad. Get uh, off my lawn. Get yeah, off get my off my lawn. lawn. We like practical effects. <laughs> so does JJ Abrams. And look what he did with Star Wars, which we'll talk about that well, later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Hush you. Uh, but overall, rating the trailer, uh, and I'm trying not to be swayed by the fact that I really didn't like the first movie. Oh, and we did get to see uh, Stephen Amell pop up as Casey Jones, although I find it weird the mask they gave him because he should be wearing a hockey mask, but they gave him something that looked like out of that old Sega Genesis game um, um, where the mask gave you weird monster powers, and it was this horror game thing, and I cannot think of the name of it. Splatterhouse, wasn't it? Yeah, Splatterhouse. He looks like he's wearing the Splatterhouse mask. And I don't understand why he would lift the mask up and just tell everybody his name, but maybe... Well, you know, that, that doesn't make sense to Casey Jones's character, but... Yeah. yeah. Is that Stephen Amell, or is that the other Amell? No, that's Stephen Amell. That's that's Green Arrow. That's, that is Green Arrow, yeah. And, and my wife's looked at this, and she is like... He's too pretty boy for Casey Jones. Yes, he is. I I love Stephen Amell. I mean, he's great on Arrow, and I, and part of me would say that's a really good choice for somebody who could play Casey Jones. But I expected his characterization to be a little little bit more, you know, backstreet New York. You know, know what I mean? Yeah. Something like this. He, I'm well, Casey like Jones. a lot. Well, 
I'm sorry, even though he, yes, he was the first, but from what I read, Elias Koteas did it perfect. Oh, in, he was in great. The, in, the, in, the, in the first trilogy. Yeah. And he's, he's one of the, he, you know, he's proven to be one of the best character actors out there as it is. So, oh, yeah. And so it, it's just, it's weird seeing someone who, I'm not saying Amel is, a, is not, a great actor. I'm just saying, after having someone like Oteus play Casey Jones, and then you have the Amel, and he's playing him kind of cheese ball. You just kind of eh. yeah. He's just like, oh well, <laughs> you know, we don't get to see a lot of them. Maybe he's better than we're thinking because they really didn't show well, maybe much of them. You know, well, this was I'm, more I'm about gonna, showing action shots more than characters. I guess I'm going to give this a B minus just because of my own bugaboos. <laughs> I. <laughs> Yeah, as far as being flashy and getting attention, yeah, I have to give him some credit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on B minus level. Oh, and it was nice to see Baxter Stockman, but if I see Baxter Stockman and not one single mouser in the movie, I'll be disappointed. If I even go see the movie, which I probably won't. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's move on to our next on the list: The Legend of Tarzan. jungle consumes everything. It preys on the old, the sick, the wounded. It preys on the weak, but never the strong. He is no normal man. He was thought to be an evil spirit, a ghost in the trees. No man ever started with less. He's Tarzan. You're Jane. He'll come for you. of the jungle. Tarzan! Tarzan! Okay, now I've read Tarzan of the Apes. Have you ever read that? I'm not sure if I have or have not. I own a copy, a free copy on Kindle, but and and of uh, a lot of other Edgar Rice Burroughs works, you know, the, the uh, Barsoom series. Um, the John Carter of Mars series, mm-hmm. but but uh, I have watched way too many Tarzan movies, up from the <laughs> 30s and 40s to the TV series with Ron Ely and e- everything from Greystoke with uh, Christopher Lambert, Christopher Lambert, mm-hmm. yes, and and a lot of other 
um, there was a Tarzan with Bo Derek. I, I've seen them all. And this one looks like it's going to go a little bit more of that pulpy feel to me. Yeah. Which it's, could be fun. The only thing that I don't see is they're not going with the more, as I said to you um, off air on, on text, I said that I don't think they're going to do some of the more fanciful aspects like the lost advanced cities and all of those really pulpy parts that are really out there. Yeah. But they may do that if this ends up a series. They may be able to go there. It just, this is the opening salvo. But I like that, that they showed that uh, they followed the books that out of, that even though he's been raised by apes, he remembers being raised human. And so when he's in England, he's all, you know, pinky with, with the teacup and everything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that actually isn't the way, uh, cause I read Tarzan of the apes. It is a very dark, gritty, violent and gory book, but it's an excellent adventure. Oh. It's, it's a very different from what you'd be used to from the old, you know, thirties type of thing. I mean, he's, until when he's a small boy and cause he is, he is a baby when he's taken in, but as he's growing up, he gets torn up by the other apes, gets, he loses fights until eventually he gets to where he can overpower the other apes. And you actually spend a lot of it where he does slowly start to learn that he is different when he does find the house where his parents had, had been wrecked, which is not up in a tree as shown in the trailer, but down on the ground. And he does kind of start realizing on his own that he's not an ape, which the apes, though, in Edgar Rice Burroughs are supposed to be. These are missing link apes. They're not gorillas. They are somewhere on. They're supposed to be like, you know, the in between an evolutionary thing, which is, I guess, his way of making sense that he'd be able to raise and they would take him in because he's kind of, you know, more like a human thing. Well, I think they have him, if I remember correctly, and I did study anthropology, uh, Archaeological anthropology, and in that, I think there, he tried to put him somewhere around Homo erectus to Australopithecus. Yeah, somewhere in that mid between thing. But it's a very violent and gritty, and yeah, he doesn't really have a whole lot of memory other than what he manages to learn. Uh, but he has a lot of adventures with, there's a, like a cannibal tribe that he manages to befriend some of the members of that before Jane shows up. And one thing that, uh, I think like Disney did a discredit to, um, um, uh, Clayton. Clayton is not really a bad guy in the book. He's, he's a decent guy. He, but he is a rival for Jane's affections. Uh, but at the end of the book, Jane does choose Tarzan over Clayton, kind of. Well, you know, she's, but I think she goes off with Clayton though. If I remember correctly, yeah, she does go off with Clayton, but you can tell she really would rather be running around with Tarzan. But Tarzan, after he's gotten into England for a little bit, it's just like he doesn't want to be there. And he's, uh, you know, by the, when you get into the second book, he's going back to the jungle, but he's, uh, he's like super intelligent. Uh, he's, you know, kind of very educated, but he's got a different perspective on everything. And so it's interesting. He'll, on the boat sailing back to Africa, he's having these nice conversations with people and he compares how humans do stuff. And he doesn't like the way humans, because he, they're too dishonest. But he says like, well, in the jungle, we would do it like this. And because we're honest and, you know, this sounds violent to you, but this is honest, you know, and stuff Well, that, like that. that's, that's what I was trying to say is in the books, He's not always me, Tarzan, you, Jane thing. Yeah, he's, he's intelligent. He speaks well after, after he gets some education in him. And they, they, they did that really bad with the thirties and forties and even yeah. with the Ron Ely series. 
Um, the problem with the Christopher Lambert movie was they got a non English native speaking <laughs> to do it. And so it came off like a little broken because he's French and, yeah. and his accent made it sound like he was struggling with English. Whereas in the, like I said, in the books, he's very, very erudite and, and very well spoken. Yeah. After being in 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 London for only a year or two, yeah. so it, it's like like we said, it's different. But we're, that's not what what we saw on this trailer. Getting back to that was very full of action. Yeah, it reminded me of what we were expecting. It had some wonderful actors that we Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, um, the British the British guy that was on Lie to Me. Who who also is is used a lot by uh, Quentin Tarantino was in it, so it looks like we're you. It looks like we've got a decent cast. We have Alexander Scar- Sarsgaard or Skarsgård, and uh, he's he's got the physicality. Yeah, he and he's does. and he also has this charisma. You know, most people will know him from a very. Um, Unfamily friendly show, True Blood, is Eric Northman. Uh, as as I was telling uh, Jeremy off there, I called him the va- Viking vampire dude. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like an interesting premise for a movie: a Viking vampire or vampire Viking. But it, it is, but <laughs> that that show went in places that even the adults were going, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so. I give this one a solid B plus. Yeah, and I really like the shots that they showed uh, him a lot. You know, because Disney had some fun with it and uh, with the possibility of vine swinging. They had him. They studied surfers and had him going along the branches, which was a new and different take of things. But they actually have some shots where he's jumping and leaping through stuff, and you see him take kind of an ape-like position. I, and uh, you, know, you can tell it's a bit of computer, uh, but it looks really good. Uh, and so I'm expecting a lot of high adventure. This did a really good job of getting your attention. Uh, they did, you can tell they're CG gorillas, but we've learned from the new Planet of the Apes films that you can do a good job with a good CG gorilla and make it very believable. Uh, so I think this has a lot of good potential. But, uh, what I wonder is, you know, in the books, it describes, he, he gets this weird, uh, this, this, guttural thing that humans are not supposed to really be able to replicate where when he has his victory thing and they you know fancifully turned it you know and that whole thing that we're used to but that's not quite the way it's described in the books that he makes he does make a cry like that so i kind of wonder how this movie's going to treat that if they'll go traditional that we're used to or give it more of this guttural cry that is actually rather fearsome when humans first hear him do it that terrifies them well, when I heard they did do a bit of it, and it didn't sound like well, what you used to. We heard the right notes, mm-hmm. but there was tones to it that that was different in 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 the trailer that we got. But, yeah, I, I think with some good sound editing, they could really make a, a an interesting kind of cry that might be a little frightening, you know, and be kind of cool. Well, let's get to the next one. Yes, the next movie, Star Trek Beyond. Okay. <laughs> Or as Rick likes to call it, another Michael Bay Star Trek movie. (laughs) 
Is that music? It's a good choice. Hey, well played. We got no ship. No crew. How are we gonna get out of this one? We will find hope in the impossible. Okay, now, the biggest problem I have with this trailer is the music choice and the way they stylize this. It's like a, it's like it's a big action movie, and then you see the director, uh, what is it, Justin Lin, is that his name? Who did yeah. Fast and the Furious. Nothing about that says to me Star Trek. Well, I, I said, I call this, uh, I call this Michael Bay Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, because it looks like a Michael Bay type of thing in a it weird just, way. It, it's, I don't, and that doesn't, you know, even my, even Simon Pegg, who's one of the writers on this film, kind of slammed the trailer. He wasn't happy with how yeah. over the top the trailer was. And a lot of Trekkies were up in arms, myself included, with yeah. the feeling of this, um, Star Trek's supposed to be the more thinking man science fiction franchise. With and, some action in there, you know, you got good storytelling in Star Trek, you know? You, yeah. It makes you think, and it's some mystery. You have to kind of go with it, and you're trying to figure out, well, what is it that's going on, and how are we going to deal with this threat, you know? And there's something clever and smart and strategy about it, not in your face, blow everything up. But for all we know, they took all of those scenes and that's all they used for, yeah. for the, for the, for, for the, the trailer. And I that's the problem. Attention, I guess. But he even did that with the, with some of the early ones from, from the days. I mean, the trailer for search for Spock was very actiony. Yeah. Um, even though if you really watch search for Spock, the action is less than a third of the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so trailers with Star Trek trailers really don't, can't really give you the real feeling of what you're going to get in a Star Trek, either TV series or, or, uh, or movie. And I think that, that, that this, that's the reason I'm going to give this a, a B minus is because it doesn't, like I said, doesn't give the feeling of what a Star Trek movie should be. Yeah, because Star Trek is also about the different characters, and the only part that really felt like we got some character moment was there with uh, Spock and Bones there, and Bones was like, well, at least <laughs> if we're going to die, we're going to go together, and then Spock gets transported away, and Bones is like, typical. 
<laughs> that's well, that's the type of characters. That's part of what makes Star Trek work. As we love the characters, the crew is as are just fascinating people. We love them, so well, I'm glad that's and, in there. And and their bones is just spot on. He is so spot on without being a parody of DeForest Kelly. Yeah, I he mean, nails it. He's so great. Um, it's just yeah. Yeah, well, I gotta give this a solid D plus because yeah, they're really making a trailer. It's a lot of action. It's a lot of pop. So it's gonna maybe get some attention. But I, it, it's questionable. Well, what audience are you reaching for? Are you reaching for the people who are your base, or are you trying to bring in you know new people so much that you are gonna leave the base behind, and the base isn't gonna show up to the movie because they're looking at this like this doesn't look like what I like about Star Trek. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what they do with a second trailer because this you know they're renting the releases for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. You know they had to make sure they made a really good movie for this. So yeah. they just didn't show it so good with this time. So what was the rating you gave it? I'm giving it a D plus, and that's being kind. Oh D. Well, I gave it a B minus. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now our next one: Independence Day Resurgence. My first question is, why? <laughs> well, yeah, other than, okay, Independence Day did make a lot of money, but I, cause I recall the first time I saw it, I said, well, that was pretty good. Second time I saw it, I said, this is kind of lame. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of, uh, there, there are multiple YouTube sites pointing out the plot holes in that bad boy. Mm-hmm. There's not one, there's not two, there's a plethora of, of, of YouTube videos going, uh, Plot holes galore over here at 
It really isn't that great a movie. I mean, it's got some passable special effects. It had had a few great actors. I mean, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum might be the only reason I go see this movie. I love Jeff Goldblum. And then, of course, Randy, the original did have uh, um, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid, who has now gone completely nuts. Uh, more so than his character was, <laughs> but he's always entertaining, but his character is dead. So, and Will Smith didn't even come back for this. So uh, no you've got Will Smith, but Bill Brett Pullman, Spiner though. is allegedly coming back. Well, that's cool. Brent Spiner, the, the, uh, Weird mad scientists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of would like to see if, uh, now my, um, Adam Baldwin. I, I want to know if he gets to come back. Cause he was a very minor character, but he's, he's more recognizable now. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe they get his minor character to be back and be in a more of an important character this time. Well, who knows? Because Baldwin's got a love hate relationship with the fans. <laughs> Picking fights with liberal fans everywhere. <laughs> He's got a little that's too Charlton Heston there, but that's. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody's got their opinions. So, you know, you're, you're going to get them from celebrities and, and we're always going to say, you know what? We don't like you because of your opinions. We like you for what your characters are. So let's just go, go make another movie. And <laughs> well, I jokingly tell people he became Casey from Chuck. So I love Chuck. That's one of my favorite TV shows ever. (laughs) I own all but the last season. But okay, let's let's get to the final one. Oh, first we haven't given a rating now on this one. Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, Here's the thing: they have to reintroduce the characters because this is what like near. This movie is going to come out. It'll be 20 years since the original, and I'm glad I'm seeing an online campaign that uh, when you go onto the YouTube thing, they do. Show that, oh, look, you can go see a video and say the war of 1996, you know, so they're trying to. Well, they say it's been 20 years. Yeah. They say it's been 20 and years. And it will be when this comes out in 2016. So they're so, fo- actually following the actual right. timeline. So, but you know, um, their target audience is, I mean, you're, you're, right now, you, the, when people make movies like this, they want to aim at some of a younger audience and you're going to have a bunch of people that are going to be like, what? There's another movie called Independence Day? What? What? You know. Uh, it's been I don't know. out of the, the public consciousness for so long that they really, I think, need to find a way to reintroduce the characters better. And at this point, other than getting a couple lines from uh, um, uh, well, Jeff Goldblum, so- you got to look at really at some of the other characters, but not enough to where you know you, you don't introduce of why anybody might have liked these characters in the first movie. So I don't think they, you know, maybe this is just a tease. So maybe we're gonna get a bit more later that might, they might draw some interest from, from 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 potential new viewers uh but really i think they're just going on hoping that there's a fan base of the first movie enough to come and see the second one which i'm well, sure there is somewhere it looked it, the the trailer looked interesting and fun but i i still am going to give this a c yeah, just a regular c it's a c Alrighty, and our final film fantastic beasts and where to find them
Yesterday, a wizard entered New York with a case. A case full of magical creatures. And unfortunately, some have escaped. Okay, I I am actually kind of surprised that you didn't hear even a hint of the Harry Potter theme in here. But I guess it does make sense because that's you know known as Hedwig's theme, and Hedwig is not in this movie. In fact, Hedwig is well not dead at the time of this where the time that this movie takes place. <laughs> but he's not even hatched yet. <laughs> yeah. So so it is you know it's interesting to bring us back into the Wizarding world pretty much by text, but. And with with a little bit of the graphic stuff, they 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 ease you in to say, oh, by the way, this is back in the Wizarding world. Remember with the Harry Potter movies? Guess what? Here we're going back in, but this has nothing to do with Harry Potter. In fact, this takes place in America. Yeah, in America in the in the twenties to forties. So. Yeah, you almost expect Peggy Peggy Carter to come walking through. <laughs> yeah. But they give you. I like that this teaser gave you just enough to know about the story. They introduce you to Newt Scamander, which only fans of the book series is going to know. Where they give his name at the end, Scamander. You get that. But they give you enough of the story that in New York they've noticed a wizard has come visiting. He's got a case full of magical creatures. I don't know how he managed that, but it's magic after all. And some of these magical creatures have escaped. So now you've got the. The American version of the Ministry of Magic is going to be going crazy, trying to make sure none of the muggles see any of these creatures and yet rounding them all up, which actually sounds like a lot of fun. Well, it's also interesting, the departure from what the book is. The book is basically an encyclopedia of critters. Yeah, and it's fun Uh, to read, too. But this is going, you know, they've got to give it a plot. They've got to give it, we we can't do a, this is a, Griffin, this is a hippo griffin. Yeah. No, they. Well, I kind they, of expected that you'd be following Newt's commander on because he's supposed to have gotten an assignment from the ministry to go and document all of these creatures to write the book. I thought we were going to be following him around and documenting these creatures, which would have been cool. But I do like this idea of him having to, you know, gather up some of these creatures, and perhaps he is in New York because he is looking for a particular creature to document for the the textbook. Well, he's also documenting the fact they got out and he's got to catch them. <laughs> but yeah. overall, Eddie Redmayne is back. Yay! I love it. Eddie Redmayne is a great British actor. Is that who's and, playing Newt's commander? Yes, the same gentleman who played Dr. Stephen Hawking. In, oh, I, uh, I didn't see that. And <laughs> I think it's called The History of Everything. Yeah. But. Uh, and, and it was a good movie. I think that Hawking, that, uh, Redmayne, and I saw him in a, uh, TV miniseries based on, on, uh, a series, uh, big, one of those big, uh, historical romance books. And he's a, uh, Pillars of Earth, and he's a, 
he's a very good actor. And seeing him in this, I knew that this was going to be a solid film. It looks like they're going with the same kind of, we're going to go with some of the better British actors like we did in the Potterverse films. Yeah. And you know David Yates, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of his directing, but he does get results. Uh, he he really added a very dark tone to the Harry Potter films, and I I much preferred Chris Columbus's style where the spells had colors and stuff. Uh, even the director of the Goblet of Fire, you know, had different colors, and it was you know it was darker, but that you know there was. You know, I, I like spells having colors and, you know, when, when, when there's combat spells that a beam goes back and forth and it's like a fight instead of just pops and flashes. Uh, that kind of disappointed me with David Yates' style. But he does do a good job of getting good performances from his actors. So yeah. I, I am excited about that. And I do love the fact that J.K. Rowling did write this script. And plus, mobster wizards. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. This could be really cool. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I actually, when I first saw this teaser, I actually posted it to my Facebook page. My Star Wars fervor has actually been paused for a moment because of a new <laughs> Wizarding World trailer. So I'm giving this an A+. Plus. I mean, this this completely distracted me well, from my Star Wars fervor this week. I'm giving this an A+, plus too, but there's another reason, and, and that's the reason why I made the joke about mobster wizards i had and i you you've seen me talk about this i'm a huge diesel punk fan and whereas steampunk is this retro future set in the victorian era mm -hmm. diesel punk is set from the 20s to the early 50s ah. and it's it's and it's that aesthetic that 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 uh 20s to 40s the gangsters the gumshoes the that whole thing Americana of that era. So seeing the Wizarding World portrayed from that era is just interesting. And, you know, we're going to see, we're probably going to see, uh, uh, Wizard G-Man and, and all of the things that you would expect from that era, but with Harry Potter theme and American yeah. overlay. And it's just that right there. That's what I've been, been, been begging for because it's like okay we know all about britain what about the rest of the world yeah let's see some american <laughs> wizards where is the big school in america where would that be and stuff like oh so there's so much i'm I, you know so many unanswered questions that i would love to see so yes very exciting okay I guess we're ready to move on to a movie review. So, all right, here is your your warning. If you have not seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, we will, of course, I'm going to play uh, a clip from the soundtrack, uh, a really wonderful track called uh, called Skurzo for X-Wing. Uh, it's a beautiful track. You can sit and listen to that. After that, I will, of course, play our movie review sounder. I will, of course, play the trailer of The Force Awakens, and then we're going in there, and it's going to be Spoiler City. So if you have not seen the movie... Listen as far as you dare and then skip ahead. Don't listen to the review because the only thing after the review will go ahead and just flat out, you know, uh, put in the regular, you know, goodbye and see you next week. And I do not want to spoil this for you. So if you have not seen it, if you have not seen it and you listen to the review, it's on you because I've given you plenty of warning to get out of it. But before we jump into that review, I do want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Scott and Tracy of Disney, Indiana. I received a very lovely Christmas card from them. And uh, I, I, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to send out Christmas cards myself this year. Things are kind of just worked out that way. But I did appreciate getting a Christmas card from you guys. Thank you very, very much. And now let's hear some great new John Williams music. 
Scherzo, I hope I'm saying this right, it's like S-C-H-E-R-Z-O, but for X-Wings, here we go. And after that will be the review of The the Force Awakens, so spoilers, 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 get out of it. Stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie. Yeah, yeah we're gonna be a movie. Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Hermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good. Red Squad, Blue Squad, take my lead. I'm on it. You're going Awakens. This film is not yet rated. Okay, Rick, you had actually something you wanted to tell the listeners? Listeners, beware. This is to to quote another character from a whole different franchise. Spoilers! Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the Force Awakened, and I managed I went uh 
I wasn't sure I'd be able to go this opening week because money's been kind of tight, but uh, the, the cash budget I had actually left us enough money to be able to go to a Thursday night showing with some friends of ours. Went to an 8 o'clock showing on Thursday night. I tell you, I was just giddy with excitement waiting for this. And uh, the overall thing I'm going to say, yes, this is a pretty good movie. And it was a lot of fun. And I had a great time watching it. But I have a few nitpicks. Same here. Um, I enjoyed the film. This is definitely gonna gonna make me forget these films that I, I believe that they <laughs> they said they were gonna make, but no, nah, they didn't make those. They didn't make these things. <laughs> prequel. What is prequel? Who invented that word? I don't know. It's something about Gungans or something. I don't know. Yeah, some weird Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> what you mean? Anakin was a whiny kid. What? No, okay. Anyway, and a, and, a, and a whiny teen, yeah, <laughs> and a worse teenager than he was a little kid. Oh, but anyways, I'll, but I got—I loved you and McGregor as Obi Wan. They could well, have made Obi Wan movies with him, and I'd have been happy. I really loved he, his portrayal. He got Alec Guinness's way of speaking without being a caricature, and that yep. is such a such a hard thing to do. Yeah, one thing though with the prequels. Okay, I gotta have to mention this because you watched it and they they felt different from the original trilogy, and so and I remember when the first one came out, uh, some early people were saying, "Well, this was a pretty good movie, but it didn't feel like Star Wars." And that's exactly kind of what I felt like with this movie when the credits rolled. It's like I felt more like I was watching a fan film than I was watching Star Wars. But maybe that's because I'm not used to the the new tone of the of this you know later trilogy. It felt different than what I expect Star Wars to be. But it was closer than what the prequels felt. Yeah, it was a little closer in, in style. Uh, so it, it, it seemed a little darker, though, at, at times, too. Uh, although, uh, we're, we're, also, we're also darker because we don't have the hope because it's all kind of been scrunched down. Yeah, our fairy tale ending of Return of the Jedi has turned to squat. <laughs> I mean, we've got so, Luke is missing because he had, he had put together this new Jedi Order and then had one student, which turns out to have been Han and Leia's child, killed them all. Or maybe not all of them. I have some theories of some stuff that I I wish they would have mentioned that I think they meant to, but maybe they're saving for the next movie. Well, I think they were also obvious about something that they did not reveal in this film. But with a certain theme over and over and over associated with a certain character, I kind of feel that uh, we've met Luke's kid. Yeah, that seems a good possibility. I was expecting Ray was was one of Han and Leia's children, but it, she could be Luke's child as well. Because you know, Luke maybe would not have had the uh, the whole you know attachment is forbidden thing going on. You know, well, he he didn't have the true Jedi Order to help help him lay down the rules, so he's doing it from scratch. And yeah. the even though I never read them, I've read enough reviews and Wikipedia to know that in the old uh, expanded universe, he doesn't lay down those rules because he knows he's starting from scratch. Yeah, he's got a new Jedi Order to put together and. Yeah, so Ray could be his daughter. Uh, the one thing that I you know, they, they didn't really get into it, but uh, there's a one point where Ray does get how in the heck this lightsaber got here. We still don't know, and I really did not like the explanation. Of, oh, well, it's a long story, you know. But she touches <laughs> the lightsaber, and you know, the, this is where the Force literally does awaken for her. 
my theory is on this, and maybe we're going to get this next movie, is those were, were memories coming back to her. I think that when she was left on Jakku, she had her memory kind of messed with because they were trying to hide her from Kylo Ren. Because he had went and sl- he was he was on him he, his whatever went wrong in his head, which we don't really get a good explanation of at any point. He's got issues with his father. We don't know what the issue is. I, it's you know because it, it seems like Han and Leia split over their son, which I do love the fact that they named him Ben. You get that one call out. I was like, oh look, they named him after Obi Wan. Um, but something about their son going bad seems to have split their marriage or whatever. And to where Han is back, you know, being a smuggler, and uh, now Leia is a general. Um, but we don't get an idea of, okay, he was seduced by Snoke into the dark side. But, you know, how did that happen? What issues did he have with his father? All this confusing stuff that I, I'm, I'm really, I, I don't understand, but it seems like they were trying to hide Rey away, and so they wiped out her memory or something and put her on Jakku, because that's the only way I can explain that when she, at a, when she starts getting, you know, where she's trying to do things with the Force, she knows that she can mind-trick somebody, and she learns how to do it on her own. And at some point, she suddenly figures out how to use a lightsaber and fight back and defeats Kylo Ren. And and granted, okay, she showed she's got some fighting skills with a staff, but that doesn't mean you know how to fight with a lightsaber. True, but the thing is, is what they're trying to do is, obviously, with the way they ended this, Luke, Luke and Anakin were not the balancers of the Force, so they've got to take that little plot thread and pick it up. And so, maybe, maybe Ray is the balance of the Force, and that uh, that uh, she she's got you know the 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 Mad Jedi skills. Yeah, but it's like, where does she get them? That's why I, I, I feel like she's maybe been trained, and she just was it was driven from her mind the, of the training, but it slowly starts to come back. Well, I don't know if the balance thing is really going to come into play, but that that's a good theory because. But I'm thinking though, definitely she she may have had her memory wiped, and she's starting to slowly remember her skills as it goes along because. I don't understand. Even though she may have heard these stories of this wild things of Jedi and stuff that seems to have gone into the area of legend and mythology to people, how in the world would she know that she could mind trick somebody to even attempt it? Oh, that's true. Unless that's maybe true. she had some training in it and she's starting to remember. And part of me, when, when she comes back to Leia and hugs Leia there, I was expecting her to say, Mom, I remember. Because I still thought she would be like Han and Leia's kid, but she didn't say anything like that. No, they, they hinted, like I said, when we heard the the Force theme, or Luke's theme, every time she showed up and did a, a pose. Doing on something later, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, and it's the theme from when he's on Tatooine, and he's mm-hmm. awakening to the Force. It was like, I, I kept going, okay, I get what you're doing, people, okay. Because in the, in the expanded universe, Ben was Ben Skywalker. Yeah was Luke's son which Ray seems to you know like we said we think we don't know they haven't told us yeah. anything so we I, get to see Luke but he doesn't say anything doesn't acknowledge that that Ray is his daughter or anything and that just, seems ah. and that scene that they showed from the trailers looks like it's not going to happen in this movie the the I I am strong in the force like my father like my 
sister like I didn't you. expect that to be in the movie anyway, because that was just rehashing a line from Return of the Jedi to get us excited, I thought. Well, either way, let's get to that. <laughs> um, I liked this movie, but I felt that, like what he did with the two Star Trek films, I felt like he was, like J.J. was pandering too hard. Yeah. Hard. I think that's why it felt like a fan film because he was pandering so much to the fan base with some of the the way he revealed different things that he didn't just do what he knows how to do and tell a really good story. Well, I, I haven't seen Super 8, so I don't know what he's done on other films. I've only seen this and the two Star Trek films, and I... I kept going, I want more original. I, I don't want riffs on old stuff. Um, you know, but I know with this first film, with reintroducing the old characters, we needed a, I don't feel, you know, what, what's the old Han Solo line? We're home. <laughs> no, the one about, uh, I got a bad feel. I got a bad yeah. feeling about yeah, this. Yeah, we did get that line again. We got, we got all the, well, in my theater, I, I have to see the movie again because so many people were popping, you know, screaming at the screen when when the little the little uh, Easter eggs occurred. Yeah, everybody would cheer when the Millennium... Of course, I, I knew the Millennium Falcon was coming when uh, when Finn says, well, well, what about that ship over there? He said, oh, that's a piece of junk. Come on, we'll junk. this one. And I was like, the Millennium Falcon's over there. He pointed to the Millennium Falcon. And then when we finally got to see it, I was like, yay, you know. But and I'm wondering, of, I, I'm wondering how the heck did Han lose her? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because that's why I was thinking maybe she was Han's daughter. He, he left the ship for her. But then you find out later that he lost it to some guy and it went to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And probably lost around. it in a card game. <laughs> yeah, probably a card game, you know. So you don't really get specifics. You know, well, that's how like, Lando oh, left. You know, this guy that's took it from me and... Yeah, well, that's how Lando lost yeah, it. Yeah, that's how Lando lost it. I would love to see Lando still make an appearance somewhere. He uh, may. He Billy may. D, Billy D, Billy D. <laughs> yeah, we may get Billy D. Yeah, you know. I would love to uh, see him again. Such a yeah. good character. So, so I like the film. The new characters really fit. Oh, yeah. They're great it, new characters. I loved them all. They were such great. I want to see more of Poe. Poe was such a great... I, I really liked he he had such a... Even though he had that brash pilotness, he had such a nobility and not this huge ego that knowing that he is that good, and you really can see how good of a pilot he is in this movie. He does some amazing... Oh, he stuff. does say some lines, but it's with this weird, smirky humility. Yeah. You know, he get, he says the cocky lines, but the delivery isn't cocky. The yeah. delivery is like uh, humble. Yeah, buddy. I know. <laughs> you know, he's like kind of kind of apologizing for being that good. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's got wings, I could fly it. He can basically say that line, but says it in such a genuine way that you're like, I like you, dude. And it, well, I love the way he just embraces Finn. You know, like, hey, you know what? You know, because when I first met you, you're wearing Stormtrooper armor, but you know what? You are my buddy. We escaped together, and so this is great. And I, I love the well, way and, when he sees Finn again, he's so happy he hugs him. And like, oh, you made it. I'm so happy for you. Well, and the fact that Finn is the first of this new breed of stormtroopers who are literally snatched as children and raised as stormtroopers. Yeah, there's a the backstory I want to see more about. And... Basically, he's the first breed, first of that breed to break away in 30 years. Yeah. That's a, well, almost 40. And that's a huge thing. That's a huge 
point and that's a huge plot and I'm glad they they kind of with the way that Phasma and the other in in the new order re- reacted it was it was it fit that they were they were like a little you know he's a traitor we've never oh, yeah. had a traitor then when I see so, them, like traitor they're so mad yeah, yeah they're so angry but yeah. and I like to see more about Phasma I hope she survived the the, the end of the, the the big the big ending but yeah that really and, and what is me, because they built up this character. Captain Phasma is the first female stormtrooper, and she is a captain, so she's in charge. And I was like, well, this is going to be this great character. And she gets two scenes and maybe three lines. Well, three or four scenes. Well, I guess she, you, yeah, she a little is one shot. General, General Huff or whatever is, like, addressing your Hux. General Hux. <laughs> yeah. when he's a, which he seemed awful young for a general to me. For a guy that they, oh, they, they referred to the him being big, in charge of the Stormtrooper program, I'm like, well, how long could he have been in charge of it? He looks like he's 22. Well, they all seemed kind of young, except for the one who uh, never took off her helmet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but she is an imposing presence because she is very tall, and I did like that. I just wanted to see more of her character. Because you see her, she is intimidating when you first see her because, you know, Finn's got his helmet off and he's starting to realize, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Who are we? And she's like, what do you got your helmet off for, Trooper? And you're like, oh, Finn's going to get killed. She's going to kill him or something. And then, you know, so she's scary when you first see her. But then the next time you see her, oh yeah, Finn's got her and Han Solo's got her dead to rights and forcing her to bring the shield down. And you're like, wow, she didn't even fight back. Didn't even get a chance to fight back and challenge them. One of the things that people are using as evidence that Ray is Luke's daughter is the fact that Ray Ray inherited the Skywalker pilot genes. <laughs> I thought she got them from Han because she could fly that Falcon like you wouldn't well, believe. Well, she's got the Anakin. Anakin was the real space ace of the of the Skywalker family. Yeah, he was. And, and so she's got the Anakin the Anakin Skywalker genes. But she also, and here's the evidence that she could have been raised up until a certain age around a certain big ball of fur. She knew Wookie. Yeah. She, she understood Wookie. And she understood <laughs> BB-8. Where did that come from? Well, she grew up around a certain archer unit. Could be, huh? She understands yeah. that kind of dro- that navigator droid lingo. Because I, I think the so. BB units are part of that They're line of... yeah. The the astromag, astronag, yeah, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah. But yes, the the navigator droids that yeah. that the R twos and the R fours and the you know what chopper is in the uh, Star Wars Rebels yeah. and all of that. Now here's the thing: even though she would be quite elderly, it would be nice to have Ashoka show up in live action. <laughs> Well, but, except for, you know, all the Jedi are supposed to have been wiped out by the time you get to the to the original trilogy, so I would kind of like her to have been wiped out, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, but she wasn't a Jedi, was yeah, she? Had, yeah, she had left it, apparently. I haven't seen all of Clone Wars, but I have kind of had it spoiled for me, what happens at the end, and and so her coming back, she's she's kind of like almost the beginning of the new way of Jedi thinking, you know, so, you know. It would be interesting that they'd have to cast somebody. To play. Maybe they could actually get, um, oh, the voice actress. I can't think of her name right now for some crazy reason. The one who's doing the Rebels right now as yeah. Ashoka? Yeah, well, she was been Ashoka from the beginning. Oh, uh, the, but so she, she got to age with the character. Huh? She got to age with the character, huh? 
Well, no, she's always been. A, she is an adult. She's oh, so she was. That. She's talented. <laughs> but she wow. can play as an adult, and maybe they can make her look a little older. I don't know. Ahsoka's race doesn't necessarily have to look as old as maybe they would be. Maybe they can live a long time. Like Wookiees, you know, live a well, Chewbacca's supposed to be like 800 years old. So, I mean, hey, there are hey. different races can live a long time. So Ahsoka could show up maybe. That would be kind of cool. All right. It would tie it together. That's a good idea. Well, it's a good, it, it, like I said, the film, I, I didn't think the film was bad. Yeah, it I thought the film a, a was really great, movie. but there was a lot of things that felt, like I said, it felt like, like, like JJ was going for the easy, the, what, what we were expecting. Yeah. And it just felt like way too much fan service. Yeah, because we were expecting when Han was about to show up, and because they, they got onto that ship and they got taken into the ship, and they're hiding in the smuggling bins. I was thinking, oh, Han, that's probably Han's ship for some reason. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll bet Han's going to show up here. Oh, there he is. And then of well, course I didn't we expect expected it to Han's, be Han. Huh? I thought I thought it was the criminals themselves that 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 was their ship, but. Hmm. They showed up later. <laughs> yeah, and is it is it me or did that whole thing on Han's ship there with the weird the wrath wrath uh, whatever? Uh, did that feel like an episode of Doctor Who to you, or is it just me? Uh, it kind of did. It's like it, some it, weird it, alien monster is loose on this ship that we're trapped on, and we must escape the alien monster that we're trapped on this ship with. And yeah, we must but that, that's that's been done on other shows too. Yeah. That's been on Twilight Zone, and yeah. it's been done on on Outer Limits. So uh, maybe I just watched too much Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, and and that's a lot of the more recent Doctor Who's. He's yeah, yeah. Uh, they did do in the older's, but they didn't do quite many of those episodes in the old old school Doctor Who as they did in the new school. Yeah. But there was definitely a lot of things about this that were predictable. As soon as Han Solo called out Ben's name to go onto that catwalk, I was like, goodbye, Han Solo, he's going to kill you. Well, yeah, the, the obvious... Nobody even gasped when it happened. Well, the, the obvious... The obvious transposing of the first two films in this was... We go on a desert planet. Of yeah. course, we go on a desert planet. We go on a, a a frozen planet. Of course, we go on a frozen planet. You know, it just felt like I said earlier. It felt too fan servicey. Of course, we go to a cantina. We go to a cantina. Yeah. It just. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just felt I wanted more creativity. Yeah. I wanted I wanted something really really new, not. Something hitting those same notes again, just with a different key. You know, it's yeah. It, it was, and I've got a feeling that they're that that's now that they've set the world up, and and now that JJ's going to be gone from it, and we're now going into Ryan Johnson, who I love as a director. Um, he did Looper. He did Brick. He did Brothers Bloom. He's <laughs> what? Nothing I've seen, so I have no idea what to expect from him. He, other than well, he's done gritty. more grim and gritty. So if you're, we're gonna do a Empire Strikes Back, a um, a, 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 a X Vision heavy middle chapter that's gonna drop bombs. A guy with that kind of noir sensibility, perfect. Yeah. Although this had a dark, gritty moment. I mean. 
Uh, granted, it didn't sound like it was Coruscant. I don't think the Republic seated itself in Coruscant because it sounded like they mentioned a different system. But basically, you see where here's the new Republic has set up their government, these planets. Oh, guess what? This new Star Killer planet. Alderaan. <laughs> Boom! Just why, not just one planet, but the entire system. Alderaan. That's dark to me. That to me, that felt like Empire Strikes Back at that level of, oh, we're doomed. They just wiped out the Republic. The Republic is now gone already. We I just know, got but they. It, like I said, they pulled an Alderaan. I, oh boy, did they ever! But they, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I sound blasé. I love the film. It's just, <laughs> it's just not. I, I studied I literature. My expectations, well, that might I be studied, because I was so hyped. I studied up. literature in university. Okay, I am not a spoiler phobe because I know it's not about the the tale. It's about the way it's told. Yeah. But the thing is, is I just felt. It was too obvious with what they did. I mean, one or two little throwbacks would have been nice, but it seems so heavy-handed here. Yeah. And it and took I'm, way too long to me to get C-3PO and R2-D2 into it because they're they're almost like the Star Wars story of everything always seems to have them in the middle of it somewhere. And to go that long without them, maybe that's why it didn't feel like Star Wars to me. Although I loved BB-8. BB-8 was a fantastic character, and I loved his little thumbs-up lighter. And he made me laugh. He was such a great character. But I don't know. There's something about seeing old friends like 3PO and R2-D2 that made it feel more like Star Wars and well, them not showing up until like you're three-quarters of the way through the movie. Well, that's that's another theory that's that's going around the internet is that the the reason why R2 hasn't awoke is he didn't have the direct um, Skywalker lineage wake him up yet. He was waiting for Luke's genetics, and when Ray walked in, yeah, I've seen that theory. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, know I think if it's his, a, part of his shutdown seemed almost like R two was depressed to me. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we better wrap this up here because we're gonna have a long show. So, but that is our review of, of Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yes, we like it, love it, great movie. You know, it's got some problems. And I, I want to say that I'm sure there's a lot of deleted scenes that I think will help, you know, help with some of the storytelling. I, I want to see some of these deleted scenes really bad. But overall, yeah, good movie. And I do look forward to the next film, uh, including Rogue One, you know, coming next year. I look forward to that one as well. But I, I'm, I'm eager for episode eight. I want to see where they go with this. Yeah, I, me too. But remember, we're not waiting like we used to. Yeah, only got to wait two years this time. Two, not three. Yeah. With a movie in between. (laughs) With a movie in between. So we get our Star Wars fix every year. Yay. Our love (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is we've, as much as Disney's been really reluctant to really give us strong female characters in the Marvel films, I'm glad that they did, we got it with the Star Wars film. Yeah, Ray was a pretty awesome character. So I'm yeah. looking forward to her growth as a Jedi and everything because she was very, very interesting. I like I said, I loved all the new characters. I just wanted to see more of Captain Phasma because they made a big deal out of that, and I was like, oh, I want to see her be scary, you know? Because she seemed scarier than Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren was sort of a weak villain. He didn't, he didn't have the intimidation factor of Darth Vader. No, boy, he's he was a cool he, character. Oh, well, he felt like a, a little boy trying to fill in his grandpa's shoes. 
But yeah, and I guess that's what they were kind of going for. And I love some of the things he did with his powers. I mean, freezing a blaster bolt in the air with the force. Holy cow. Some of the things he can do. I mean, he's definitely powerful, but he just doesn't have that presence of Darth Vader. Well, he's also not a true Sith Lord. Yeah. Well, that is something they did kind of address. I did like that they mentioned that the dark side and light side are always in conflict. Sometimes they're the, the Sith. Sometimes they're the Empire. And now they're the New Order, the First Order. Yeah, so, so that it's... that kind of makes sense. So he's he is the new version of a Sith. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but like it's it's like I said, my problem is is it's it's very um, derivative. Yeah, uh, the derivativeness of it kind of took some of the. That's the reason why I give this a B plus. It took away some of what would have made it a definite A. I loved a movie. It's on my top of this year of things that I enjoy. It's just, like I said, that derivativeness just made me go, oh, dang it. (laughs) You know. I'm with you, though. I get a B plus. It's, it's, but overall, it's a good film, and we got Rogue. Rogue next year. Yeah, Rogue and, one next. I think next Christmas. I think I'll have to look that up again. Well, and um, I want to say one thing that has nothing to do with this, with uh, Star Wars. But uh, you know, with with what I've been doing with the DC TV, uh, someone was talking about the episode where uh, Luke where uh, Mark Hamill was playing Trickster, and they were wanting Tara Strong to show up on an episode with him, and I made the joke of Trickster and Trixie. So, <laughs> so there. <laughs> Someone there. <laughs> so, I tied it in with Hamill, though. <laughs> <laughs> and right. he's, he's still... That's the thing, is even though we didn't get to see him much, he's still... In the business and 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 giving us so many well done performances. Yeah, and let's hope we get to see a lot more performance out of him out of the next movie and get to see Luke back in there. And yeah, so excited for the possibilities, but we definitely got to wrap this up. <laughs> okay, Obi Obi One Skywalker, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, yeah, because Han Solo was kind of the Obi-Wan character this time. He had to be the first mentor to die, so Luke will die by the third movie because he'll pull a Yoda. So- <laughs> oh, he's Yoda, okay. <laughs> yep, he's Yoda. He's the trainer in the second movie, so, yep, he will teach her the ways of the Force. Alright, that wraps it up. Okay, alright, and everybody, thanks Tricky Rick for being here with us this week. And remember to go to news.neverlandpodcast.com to read all these articles. I got a few articles in there myself, but he's got a ton of them. He's just a writing machine. And he's also got a blog, which is called Fumbling Forwards. Fumbling Forwards. And it's got a complicated address, but you will find a link on neverlandpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, a link to visit our shop, and much more. 
And please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. Or email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. If you email us a Lost Boy or Pixie nickname with a reason why you chose that name, you can become an official Neverlander. Girls are too clever to get lost, so we are naturally magical pixies. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support in keeping the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions. God God bless. bless! MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.